his power to stretch. The thing with the strength of a thousand men. Johnny, flame on, Torch, and Sue, the invisible girl. The Fantastic Four, united in their fight against interplanetary evil. Fantastic! Hello, and welcome to a special Fantastic Four Roundtable, brought to you by Third Degree Burn. We thought, because of John Byrne's epic run on the Fantastic Four, that with the upcoming movie coming out, we should have a little discussion about what our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations, what what we think about it, what we would like to see, what we hope we don't see, that sort of thing. So, I'm Tim Elliott. I'm from Third Degree Burn, and I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves, and they will give you a little... Uh, uh, idea of where you can find them on their respective podcasts. I'll go first. My name's Sean Ingle. I do a podcast called Just One of the Guys. It's a Green Lantern podcast. I also do a couple of shows over on the Two True Freaks Network, including Walking Dead Wednesday, Who Drew Freaks, uh, The Vault of Starting the Monster Horror Tales of Terror, and Listen to the Prophets, which is a Deep Space Nine podcast. Yeah. I- <laughs> I, I'm Gene Hendricks. I do uh, a number of shows over on Two True Freaks. I do the Hammer Podcasts. I do the Quantum Cast, where we talk about all things Quasar. And I do Anime Freaks with Dr. Bill Robinson. So is Quasar kind of like the Aquaman of Marvel? Uh, no, he's a bit lower than Aquaman. <laughs> he's not quite as cool as Aquaman. Uh, he, he strives for Aquaman-level recognition. <laughs> but I think the only reason why Aquaman's getting a lot of props now is you got Jason Momoa playing him in the movie. Um, and, and I know that uh, is it Mark, no, Jeff Johns has done a lot to bolster his you know, reputation in the comic book world. But right. as far as the average Joe's concerned, you know, Aquaman's kind of the, the butt of every you know, comic book joke. Yeah, uh, but the average Joe knows Aquaman. The average yeah. Joe has no idea who Quasar is. That's true. Yeah. This is true. They probably think he's a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm, I'm oh. Dave Elliott. I'm the host of the of one podcast, only one, the Fantastic Forecast, uh, which you can find on iTunes or on Podbean.com. Yay! And it's a great, it's a great, I highly recommend it to anybody. It's a great podcast. Oh, it's a wonderful podcast. Yeah, I cover just one issue of Fantastic Four at a time. And you're up to episode, what, 470 something now? 435. Holy. Like 470 of them, yeah. Counting the annuals. Right, yeah. So if man is a machine. Have you already done the milk book? Which book? Uh, uh, Annual 17. I always call it the milk book because it just makes me sick of milk. It's the mm-hmm. where the Johnny's ex girlfriend goes back to the town where the three scroll cows were. Uh, were. I think. Oh he yeah, that's, that. okay. I got you. Yeah, I've done that one. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I the think. Milk, okay. I think that's when I picked up on your podcast, Dave. Is when you were kind of in the middle of the burn run. Yeah, those are my favorite issues. I enjoyed doing those. I bet. <laughs> Mine too. I, I definitely love those uh, more than more than the other, and and, and I, I'm definitely one of those people that would shoot a Herbie the Robot uh, should I ever <laughs> run across one. Yeah. 
No love for Herbie. I heard he's a major part of the the new movie. So uh, Josh Trank was really impressed with the uh, CGI that they got on Herbie. So I'm looking forward to that. Is it really? I haven't heard of that. That's no, <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited about Herbie the robot. You know, I'd, I would be, you know, if if there were a little background thing, like in, because uh, we've seen scenes in the movie where we've seen Reed tinkering around in his garage. If we saw some elements of Herbie in there, that would probably Im- improve my idea of the movie. But uh, mm-hmm. do we uh, go ahead and tell us what we're going to be talking about, Tim? I well, don't mean can, to. Can, yeah, we're just going to. I'm, I'm here oh. also. This, uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, we all know this is Tim's broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just having fun with you. Uh, my name is Brian Hughes, and uh, I'm the other half of the Third Degree Burn podcast. So that's where you can find me, uh, and uh, I'm just uh, really thrilled to be here and ready to uh, rip into this one. <laughs> so, right. uh, Tim, go ahead and uh, take it away. Okay, uh, I think we're just, uh, what we'll start off is just, and this is going to be a loose format, just we'll go around again, and we can start with, uh, we'll start with you, Brian. Tell us what just tell us what you think of the film based on the trailers you've seen so far, and then we'll just everybody kind of give their first impression of the film. I, I really think you know just looking at, at what I've seen from the, the previews and what I've what I've read and a little bit of, of what I've heard that this is going to be a sterile film. Uh, it, it's going to have very little aside from the names. It's not really going to tie into the world that we've seen not even as much as the last two Fantastic Four movies I think that uh, you know there's going to be one or two of those little nods that uh, you'll hear a word or a name or something used it's, it's, it's kind of like the producers and everybody sitting there going ah ah look at this you know we tied to it see but I, I don't think it's going to have that uh, that Fantastic Four feel that uh, that we want that we want to feel the the feel that we got from all the other Marvel movies that have done so well these past couple of years. Uh, I'm I'm just you know I think that the the fan contingent is going to be as disappointed in this as they were in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, Dave, give us your thoughts. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I don't. It doesn't seem. Very much like the Fantastic Four, only in name only. I get the impression from reading like interviews and stuff uh, from the people involved that it, they're not really Fantastic Four fans. So I don't get the impression that it's going to be a lot like the comic. It looks kind of dark. They're always saying that it's going to be edgier and more realistic and all these kinds of things. I'm not really excited about seeing it, that's for sure. Um, it kind of strikes me as it may look kind of like Green Lantern. I'm going to have a feeling it's going to land like Green Lantern did. Well, that's, that's, that's actually an interesting parallel considering, you know, Green Lantern and, fan, and uh, the, the Silver Surfer movie had that, uh, you know, giant cloud coming in to destroy the Earth. <laughs> yeah. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, Sean? Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 kind of ironic that you know two giant clouds and kind of failed movies. Yeah, that's I don't I'm seeing some parallels there. Yeah. Well, that's a Green Lantern's a nice segue into you, Sean. Tell us your uh, your idea of the. Um, 
I want a Fantastic Four movie that captures the feeling of the Fantastic Four. The way that I view the Fantastic Four is it's a family. The The Fantastic Four is has always been to me a sort of family element. It's it's this desperate group of people who for some inexplicable reason, you know, whether it be wanting to travel to the negative zone or an alternate dimension or whether they're wanting to beat the Russians in the space, have all come together and are, are you know, despite this weird, you know, gaining of powers by cosmic rays, they decide to band together and be heroes this movie doesn't in any way feel like it's going to capture any of that it doesn't have that lightheartedness that we got from the tim story movies it feels like it's trying to be more akin to the dark knight movies it's trying to be more realistic and if there's anything yeah go ahead be a dc warner movie yeah and if there's anything that we've got from the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies is if you take the essence of these things and don't try and make them real world accurate and just go with them, you're going to make entertaining movies. The The Avengers, a movie that has a Norse god, a green range monster, a guy in a suit of armor that can fly all ridiculous concepts that should not and do not work in the real world is probably one of the best distillations of comic book movies ever. It it works as a comic book movie. So I, I think the fact that they're trying to go more realistic with this is doing a detriment to the film. A lot of the, I agree with you, a lot of the actors and some of the comments that they've made, a lot of them saying that, oh, I've never read a comic before in my life, also makes me concerned for this film. I don't expect you to be steeped in Fantastic Four lore, but at least pick up one essential and thumb through it to get some idea of what your character is going to be like. I think it's a great thing that we have all these comic book movies coming out. You know, we, we really are in a renaissance. And I think this may be a time where we've got so many comic book movies that now we can pick and choose. If there are movies that we're not that interested in, we can actually pass those up and not feel like we're missing out. And I think for the first time in a long time, this new Fantastic Four movie might be one of those movies, at least for me. I'm good. Gene? Well, uh, let, me, let me just preface this by saying I'm a Fantastic Four fan from, the way, from way back. Back in my early days of comic collecting, I loved getting the Fantastic Four because, like Sean said, it was a family. Even if you swapped the membership out, like She-Hulk came in for the thing, or you just you worked it around, you got to see these family conflicts along with all this, dare I say, fantastic storylines. Then I watched the trailers for this movie, and the only thing in my head was, what the hell is this? <laughs> because it looked nothing like the Fantastic Four that I knew. Yes, okay, you have a guy that lights on fire. You have a guy that turns into a big orange rock monster. That's about as far as it goes. I mean, it's it's not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting more of a family story that this other stuff just happens around. And it it just didn't excite me. And like uh like you guys were talking about, it's 
it's Fantastic Four in name only. If they had swapped out the names, and I know that isn't what's going to happen because it's a whole, I need to keep the rights to this movie, so we're, you know, this franchise, so we're going to make this movie, so they can't swap the, the, the names out. But if they did that, if it was just brand new characters, I think I would enjoy it. But going into it looking like it is and not being anywhere near what I associate with the Fantastic Four, I think I'm going to have to wait for FX. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty bad. That's I, a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I I probably will see this in the theater, if anything, just to see if it is the train wreck that I think it is going to be. Uh, and And I'm a believer in that even bad movies need to be experienced on the big screen instead of watching them on your, no matter how big your TV screen is at home. But I I can't agree with what everybody said. It, it especially Brian when you said it looks sterile. It it my first impression is it's dark, it's drab. There looks to be no fun. It, it looks like there is some humor that's probably going to be shoehorned in, just to say, well, it's not all bleak. But but they've they've gone and they've thrown into it. Um, I mean, just in the, in the the trailers I've seen, they've thrown into it elements that are not part of the of the characters. Now, I'll use Reed Richards for an example. The latest uh, commercials I've seen have shown uh, Reed Richards from a child being an inventor, you know, sitting there trying to invent all these things. When Reed Richards is a scientist, first and foremost, he's curious. When he was younger, he wasn't sitting there, to my knowledge, inventing things and trying to, you know, create the flying car, create the, you know, whatever. He was, you know, just a scientist on the road to discovery. Creating all these things was a part of it, but it wasn't his focus. Yeah, I think that's their way of showing him as a child prodigy, that that's where they explain that he's, you know, he's got this. They could easily have said he explained string theory. Or you know something something else you know that that string theory breaking you know explaining string theory finally allowed him to break the dimensional barriers to get into the negative zone or wherever, but they didn't. They sit there and said you know he invent, tried to invent a flying car. Oh, oh, he invented the flying bathtub when he was a kid. <laughs> well, he tried to, but he quit apparently in there. He failed at that. Yeah, and and so he invented what what, what is it? Yeah, he invented a transporter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this borrows, for me, it borrows too heavily and almost wholeheartedly from the ultimate Fantastic Four run. And it doesn't seem, again, there's no sense of family, which is, first and foremost, that's the Fantastic Four. I don't like the fact that they're they're so young. Uh, and it just is just going off the trailer now. I have no idea because I haven't seen the film. There doesn't seem to be any chemistry between any of the leads. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that is supposed to be driving the Fantastic Four. You're supposed to see some sort of chemistry, especially between Reed and Sue. Yeah, and there should be a, a reason why he's attracted to her, and it, they seem very antagonistic. Now, maybe they can develop that into, you know, uh, because she questions Reed's uh, thoughts and uh, ideas of doing things that he becomes interested in her. But yeah, it. Uh, I think sterile is one of uh, the best description we could have of this. This doesn't look like, uh, it doesn't have a feel of family. It doesn't have a feel that any of these people have any liking for each other. And that's not what the Fantastic Four is. No, it may be the that movie trope of, well, they hate each other, but you know what, the, by the, the film, by the time the film ends, they're going to either be buddies or at least they're going to fall in love. So, 
which you know the Fantastic Four started off with with uh, Sue was already in love with Reed. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah, but that gets kind of creepy, doesn't it? Because wasn't uh, Sue like a child when she first met Reed, and he had these weird feelings for her and said, "No, no, no, no." Yeah, she was like eleven years old, and he was a college student. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a little creepy. But, but, but again, he was in college young, so, you know, I mean, but yeah, so it's still, he was like... Or was 18. he in college after he got back from the war? Yes, because he... Okay, now that's embarrassing. Which war? <laughs> World War II. <laughs> Sliding time scale. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it definitely, it definitely gets uh, gets a little creepy in, in, in that if they, if they were, and they're not going to do that here. Uh, obviously, obviously because they're making all the like same age. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes. she's, she's older in this movie. She's actually older. At least the actress is older than the actor playing Reed. And I think that's that's another thing that we can kind of ding the movie on. Reed Richards is supposed to be in the comic book. He's supposed to be this very mature. I mean, not mature in an age, but mature in sensibilities scientist who is working to beat the commies into space. And having him as this sort of almost teenage, you know, sort of youthful looking guy doing this experiment of teleportation to other dimensions. It, it also is one of those things that doesn't feel right for the fantastic four. So he doesn't give off like a fatherly vibe that Reed should be giving off. He should be like the father of the group. Exactly. And he just doesn't have that kind of a aura about him. Well, and on top of that, I, I keep expecting him to say, Oh my God, did we just kill Jeff Chang? <laughs> because I, I, he's so young, he still looks like you know how he looked in uh, what was that twenty one and over. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh God! I, thankfully, I have not seen that movie. I haven't you seen know, it either. You know, uh, one of the positive things I will say about this, and it, it doesn't even come from the trailers, as the 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 look of the thing has set a few people off especially the fact that he's walking around with no pants on yeah he's got no junk either yeah that's that's what I'm saying. Pants. <laughs> yeah so he he doesn't need pants he's a giant rock monster which okay fine so a lot of people have said some disparaging things about that and kind of how he just looks out of place However, and I don't know if any of you guys have seen any of these advertisements around in your neck of the woods, they've had advertisements for Denny's, uh, the breakfast place. Yeah, the Thing Burger. (laughs) And they've had had images of, you know, the CGI thing going into Denny's and eating one of the burgers and then, you know, chaos happening outside and the waitress going, are you going to get this to go? It the characterization of the thing in that commercial actually feels more akin to the characterization of the thing in the Fantastic Four comics than what I'm getting on the vibe of these promo trailers. So it looks like they could actually make the character and the CGI work, but from what we're seeing in these trailers, it's it's akin more to a darker, gritty, realistic thing. And it's sad when advertisements for crappy IHOP ripoffs <laughs> are more entertaining and more likable and more in tune with the comics than the actual movie that the comic is supposed to be based on or is supposed to be based on the comic. True. Well, I think the 
the thing with the thing, pardon the button, it's not his look. If they're worried about, well, now that we've got CGI, we can get his look right. That's not the that's not what's missing. It's his personality. It's his characterization. That's what you have to get right. And Michael Chiklis nailed that. I thought he did very well. Oh, yeah, yes. I thought that was very well. That, and that's that's the thing. Michael Chiklis and and Chris Evans both they did phenomenal jobs on their parts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in 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 the first two movies, if if we'd had as as good a performance from the other two that we got from those guys, I think that the the other Fantastic Fours would sit higher in a lot of people's opinions, and probably we we would have seen the third one by now. But mm-hmm. I, I think it was the weakness of you know Ewan Grufford. And you know, just having Jessica Alba as the invisible girl, that that hurt those movies. Uh, you know, and, and I can't say a whole lot because I actually enjoy those movies myself. Um, they're they're you know lower budget, but they definitely uh, were entertaining. And the, the the portrayals of the thing in the Human Torch is what made them as good as they were. Well, and the one thing that they got in the film was the the family aspect and the brightness of it. Those films are are bright, colorful, enjoyable movies. Yes, there are dramatic scenes. There's the giant Galactus cloud, you know, in the second one, and there's the awful Doctor Doom in the first one. But, you know, there's elements of danger in there, but it's all it's all based on a foundation of a family film or a film about a family, and it's all based on the foundation of you know, a sort of colorful pleasant to watch not dark grim and gritty aspect and that's what's deterring me from wanting to go see this new josh trank film and that's that's another point on there is that it is a josh trank film and he actually has gone on record i don't know if it was on uh kevin smith's fat man on batman show but um somewhere he had said that this is a continuation of of chronicle if you watch chronicle and you watch this you'll see a definite uh uh, relationship between the two of them. Are these supposed to exist in the same universe? Uh, not so much. He did. He didn't go into deeper effect than that. But I mean, basically, I think if you took the uh, names Richards and all that out of there, if you took the comic book names out, that you'd probably just see a sequel to sequel to uh, Chronicle. Well, I like Chronicle. I thought for what it was, I thought it had some interesting ideas. Um... And it wasn't that bad for a found footage film. I'm not fond of those, but um, I enjoyed it. I <clears throat> I think maybe he was wrong to a wrong choice for this film. But speaking of Doom, let's let's bring that around because I'm interested in what everybody thinks. I know there haven't been there's been some leaked photos. There hasn't been a lot of information about uh, the Doom that's going to be in this film. But <clears throat> what does everybody think about uh, Doom as a blogger? Fail. So I'm gonna let David fail. take this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just what they represented on the screen so far. This isn't the Victor Von Doom I want to see. They haven't been able to get even. It's sad when the unreleased Roger Corman version of the Fantastic Four has perhaps the best live-action version of Doom ever. Mm-hmm. You know, Julian McMahon was a corporate douchebag. That's not Doom. The Doom in this movie supposedly is going to be an antagonistic blogger. That's essentially everyone on Facebook. That's not Doom. (laughs) 
we want a regal, powerful leader of a country to portray Doom. Uh, I don't know. Doom's an opportunity, okay? Doom is the kind of character that, as a villain, could hold his own movie, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think before they even do a Fantastic Four movie, they should have done a Doom movie. They should yeah. have done the Doom movie showing the whole gypsy past, the magic past, the do the the part with Reed Richards and the Doom movie where you see Reed Richards as a young man and those guys just arguing like crazy in college. Yeah, the, the what is it, Fantastic Four Annual Number Two? Isn't that the uh, sort of origin, origin story of Doctor Doom? I believe. You know, a- adapt that, adapt that, and make that your tie-in or your first look at the Fantastic Four and make Doom a viable villainous character. I also, th- I also think the fact that this is being helmed by Fox and the fact that Mark Miller is the sort of chief executive, muck-de-muck, whatever, behind the comic book films at, um, at Fox Films so is why... Does that mean that Dr. Doom's going to try and rape Sue Storm or one I, of the others? Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, Mark Miller will probably try and shoehorn that in. But that's why I think this Fantastic Four, like you said, Brian, feels more like the Ultimates. It feels more like the Ultimate Fantastic Four because wasn't that the one that Miller was attached to? I think, so he, yeah. So he's trying to put his version of the Fantastic Four on the screen, which is... Which I guess is fortunate for you know more recent comic readers or people who aren't into the history of the Fantastic Four. They can just go, oh, Ultimate Fantastic Four. This must be the best because it's Ultimate. I'll read this. Oh, this looks like the stuff on the screen. There you go. Yeah. And I, now, I, I did read that in this movie, uh, Victor Von Doom is or Doom Doomshev or whatever he's called. It's a Doomshev, I think. Yeah. Uh, Doctor, I mean, Doctor Franklin Storm is like a father figure to him. So I guess he's got like a brotherly, sisterly relationship with Sue and Johnny already, which is quite a departure from the comics as well. Hmm. So they're gonna shoe him, shoehorn him in, shoehorn him in as like the fifth member of the team, as they always do in these movies, who's disgruntled and blah blah blah, turns into villain. Well, you know, if they're at least giving him some sort of scientific, you know, collaboration with uh, the team members, even though it's with you know. Uh, the fathers of the of Johnny and Sue, or the father of Johnny and Sue. I guess that's kind of a bonus, but yeah, Doom really isn't. He's not uh, ingratiating me with much confidence in this this film. No, Doom needs to be like the dark side of Reed. He needs to be, and I, and I don't like a powered Doom. I like Doom, everything coming from his you know his vast intellect. So I don't want. Uh, whatever power they're gonna give him in this electricity, or he can—he looks like he's turned to metal or something. I don't—I I want just a, a guy that, you know, that's scarred and bitter and wants to take over the world in an iron suit. And we've proven that a guy in an iron suit will sell movie tickets. So, hmm. yeah, we've yeah, done it three times. Yeah, yeah. The main thing with Doom is they're trying too hard. The, the concept is very, very simple. He is a megalomaniac who is a genius and has diplomatic immunity. Is it really that hard to write that character? I don't think so. And we haven't seen, well, like Sean said, the Roger Corman version was the only one that actually dealt with that. Everything else they've 
they've had to try and change it. And, I mean, really, I would like to see a Fantastic Four movie without Doctor Doom in it. He doesn't have to be there, at least for the first movie. He wasn't in the comics. He isn't the I'm-around-every-corner villain that most people seem to think he is. You've had long runs on the Fantastic Four where Doom wasn't involved. It was right. all these other things, especially if they're going to the negative zone. Right. Bring in a nihilist for for crying out loud. You know, mm-hmm. if you want a big bad for the neg- a negative zone movie, bring in a nihilist. But wouldn't that be kind of akin to what they did and going back to Green Lantern is taking one of the major foes, the Fantastic Four, and putting him in the first movie? Wouldn't that be sort of watering it down for later movies? Do you want to go with Annihilus for the first movie? See, I think Doom should be the major foe for the later movies. Annihilus, to me, has never been that big a threat. Okay. He. Keep in mind, I haven't read a lot of... Uh, more recent comics, so I haven't read the whole Annihilation thing or any of that. But to me, Annihilus has been the one guy that he shows up like once a decade, and it's a whole oh, crap. Annihilus is here. Oh, let me just get that rod from under your neck. Okay, he's done. Well, you know, if if they if they were gonna you know sit there and try and create a, a foe for Reed Richards and go in the negative zone. Why couldn't they have done a lot like the, you know, the search for Nathaniel Richards storyline? You know, his father disappeared, so he's trying to find him. Yeah. And this is his way of doing it and have him go in there. And then you could have Annihilus and Blastar and all the other negative zone stuff there as as trappings onto it. I think the biggest mistake that they do in a lot of the, the comic book movies is that they don't use enough villains. I mean, I understand like in the Batman movies, they threw too many villains because they wanted to get everybody top billing. But like when you saw Ulysses Claw, in 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 the, was it the last Avengers movie? You know that mm-hmm. was a cool that was a cool thing, and you know he's going to become something else. You know, there's no reason why you can't use these villains as secondary characters, and not make a big deal out of them. Like Batroc the Leaper, thought that was a, a great use of him in the Captain in, in the, the the Winter Soldier. And they're not doing that. They, whenever they get a hold of a villain, it's like, okay, we got a villain. He's got to be the main villain. He's going to fight that. And it's, it just you know blows it out. It, they're, they're Batmaning it, so to speak. True. I, th- well, I they, think they're afraid that the. I think they feel they have to go with a big, a big bad in the beginning or the first movie because you don't want to take a chance that you're not going to sell enough tickets and. Some of the articles I've read that supposedly Fox is, the quote is that Fox is a studio that doesn't take big risks. They just put out uh, something they think or they know will sell, and they don't take a big chance. Well, this seems like they're taking a big chance with this film because it's so different than what the FF is. And it's, it's, it's more like a, this feels more like what a Marvel movie would do because they've been taking some risks. And, of course, all of theirs have paid off so far. Well, but they've only spent like about a hundred, hundred and twenty million dollars on this movie, so it's not as much as like some of the Avengers movies yeah. cost. So I, I'm sure they'll make money on this movie. Well, and let's let's hope. You know, I I, 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 get, <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't want to see. You know, despite the fact that I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing from this film, I don't want to see a movie that's a comic book franchise, especially a comic book franchise that has a name that I love fail. But 
maybe it's probably a good thing if this does fail. Maybe, maybe you know, I would hope that they would get the idea that after three attempts to bring this to the film, to the to the big screen, you have four if you count the Corman one, and none of them has really captured it. They either need to shelve it or put it in the hands of someone who's going to do it right. And uh, this was something that came up on a discussion on another show that uh, on Listen to the Prophets, where Andrew Leyland and Paul Spitaro and I kind of posited the question, can a franchise like the Fantastic Four survive for mediocre to failed movies and still continue on or still provide sequels or provide new movies and we couldn't think of any other movie franchise that could have done that star you know, trek well see so yeah star trek has had some problematic parts but you know in in general after it has a sort of flop movie it would come back with a better one so yeah now we'll have to wait and see whether or not you know it holds the line with the new jj abrams type stuff but you know that's yeah, but but now it. Star Trek is a great example for what we're seeing here. I mean, Star Trek Into Darkness, as far as most fans are con- you know concerned, is considered an abomination. But that movie came, you know, I mean, it it's not quite half a billion dollars, but it made four hundred and sixty million dollars worldwide, which is not considered to be too bad. I mean, I think Iron Man made it almost as much as there were more more than just uh, more than that. But you know, as far as fans are concerned. That movie was a failure, but as far as a lot of the general public is concerned, it was a good movie. Well, that, that's like Superman Returns. That movie made money, but it's yes. considered by fans to be uh, a failure. And I think the it's that that relationship between high grosses don't necessarily mean a quality film. And and I understand from a studio's point of view that if you know your reviews are terrible, but it's making lots and lots of money they don't care because they're there well, to make money you know they're Superman not there to... returns even though it, it made that much money it still is considered a loss because they tacked on all of the budgeting and everything from the uh, Tim Burton movie mm-hmm. oh. and everything that had gone on over the years so it had to make like 600 million dollars to be considered successful and supposedly it made uh, you know worldwide I think it made just that so it I, I don't know if it can be considered, you know, it's probably after DVD sales and uh, all of that, it probably was a wash, but I don't, I don't think that they viewed Superman Returns as a financial success. But, you know, that's the thing. I don't, I wonder if people are going to come to this Fantastic Four movie, especially after knowing about the two prior ones and go, oh, well, this is going to be completely original and new and 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 want to come see it i think changing it around and giving it this dark feel uh, i don't know if you know you're upsetting fans by doing that because it's not in line with what they know of the fantastic four comic and i don't think the general populace is going to be intrigued by this either as this just looks like a sort of dark gritty sci-fi movie which is usually a hard sell even though it's got the Marvel name to it, I don't think I, I'm I'm not seeing the kind of buzz that I see around movies like Ant Man or Avengers: Age of Ultron or Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that. Well, something that we also have to keep in mind, like like you said, Sean, there are, there are the fanboys, and then there's everybody else, and it's everybody else that makes the money for these movies. Mm-hmm. Now, you're gonna have 
instances like I've I've had people give me gifts because I like comic books. So I'm I have not seen it. I've not seen The Dark Knight Rises. I heard about the storyline and said, eh, I'm I'm gonna skip this one. But I got it as a present from from somebody because oh Gene likes comics here. This is this is a Batman movie. You'll like Batman, right? So you're gonna have people saying, "Oh well, I I love you know Guardians of the Galaxy, or I love the Nolan Batman films. Oh, this is a superhero movie. Fine, let me go see it." They're not gonna care about the comics, mm-hmm. and we're a very vocal minority. Yeah, true. So, yeah, it may it's it's just like Into Darkness. I have not seen that abomination because I saw it perfectly fine when Ricardo Montalban played Khan. I don't want to see anything beyond that. And I'm not going to get into that rant here because Sean has already heard that enough. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, 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 but you bring I, up a good point. You know, with, with that, you know, the, the using of Khan in that thing did nothing more than have J.J. Abrams say, see, see, I'm pointing to the past. It, what, what, he, he didn't use him in any other way that really gave you that, that true feel. It did not feel like Khan because it wasn't Khan. Right, and, not the kind that we know, well, and that's, I'll, I'll, that's what this movie's going to do, in my opinion. Right, what what it's going to do is it's going to take these characters that we know, that we have spent years knowing, learning about, reading, watching movies, watching cartoons, everything, and for us, it's we're going to look at and say that's that's not the Fantastic Four. The average moving-going audience, the summer blockbuster, I-want-to-go-see-an-action-movie audience, aren't going to know any different. Odds are, they haven't seen the other movies. Especially the kids. You talk teenagers that are going to go see this, are they really going to have seen the other ones? Except if it had come up on TV. They weren't in the theaters for it. Well, God knows FX is going to show the living heck out of them. Oh yeah. Prior yeah. to the yeah. prior to the release of it because that's that's all they do. You know, yeah, all but, the Avengers Age of Ultron's coming up. Well, we've got all the you know, Marvel cinematic movies up to the Avengers playing nonstop the week marathon. before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and, it, I, I I have a feeling that the movie is going to be successful. It may not be a super success, but it's going to make its money back more probably more than it may it may double its money. Mm. And that's just going to say Fox is just going to say, okay, well, we just keep doing this. We keep Nolanizing everything. Well, apparently, I, a, a sequel has already been greenlit. So, yeah, sequel's already been greenlit, but that that doesn't mean anything. I I, I honestly think that this is the one that's going to uh, it's going to hurt them. I I, I think that this is their uh, Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a sequel, you know, ju- just to bring it back once again to Green Lantern, there was a sequel greenlit for Green Lantern before that movie, you know, released. Yeah. And we, we already see what happened, you know, 2020, hopefully, will be a new Green Lantern movie. Yeah. Well, Amazing Spider-Man 3 was scheduled to come out, and now that's been scrapped, and they're going to reboot that franchise again. And yeah, I think one that's... Thing that, one thing that, that really bugs me about Green Lantern is that <laughs> that movie made... $220 million. Now, you sit there and you tack that onto 75% of the movies out there, and that is a smashing success. The only thing that kills is it had a budget of $200 million. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out where that $200 million went. The costumes. 
Because the costumes were all CG, weren't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, the but, costumes and you know the every essentially everyone on Oa except for Mark Strong and um, Ryan Reynolds were all CG. So yeah, I, I think the best possible outcome of this movie is it's successful enough that Fox says, you know, Sony had the right idea. Hey, Marvel, can we do a joint venture with you? The mm-hmm. thing is, if if the movie is successful enough, they won't do that. No, it, well, I mean, is it, they'll they'll look at like, oh, if if it loses money, if it is a super flop, then they'll just say, fine, we'll shelve it for another, you know, whatever the time limit is. Then we'll crank another one out. If it's successful enough, but doesn't meet expectations, then they'll talk to Marvel, because then they can see it's a, it has potential to earn more money. Right, now, and let Marvel will, like with Spider-Man, Marvel can take more of the risk. Right. And it's a joint venture, therefore everybody gets the money. Everybody gets, yeah, everybody gets a little but, piece of it. But if it's a full-out flop, then they're just going to ignore it, and that's it. And then when the contract comes back up, then they're going to pull a Roger Corman, let's just keep the rights, slap something out there. And then it, we just perpetuate this. Right, and, and I think... This goes to the not so much the X Men, but certainly the Fantastic Four. The that hurts the actual the source, you know, the actual published comics, because there's such a fight over rights now that Marvel, if they don't own the rights, they're not going to put much into their published work. So what published work? Well, <laughs> the published True. work they had. The fact that they downplay it, and so it's. It's it's a shame that the movies have become more important than the original source material. Well, that's that seems to be the way that seems way be the way it's going. Yeah, movies are such a significant money earner for DC Entertainment and Marvel that the comics are just really secondary. If your comics aren't doing well, that's fine. If you put out you know, a billion-dollar blockbuster, whether it be Guardians of the Galaxy or Avengers or Age of Ultron, that's what's going to bring in the movie. Your comics just have to be there in case, you know, fanboys want to, you know, have a little extra monthly dose of what we see in the movies. The comics are sadly, I think, kind of inconsequential. It's They're more focused on the movies, and I think that, you know, they have to with the movies that we discussed earlier in the show that they have to not really pander, but they have to play towards the general audience. They can have little snippets that are in there for the fanboys, for the comic book nerds. But after that, they just need to put on something that's going to get the most butts and seeds. So, and that's, that's the disappointing thing about that because when they do that, sometimes they feel that they can't be true to the feel of these comics which also shouldn't work because Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, you had a talking raccoon and a sentient tree. Those are things that should not work in the real world, but people just loved. So why the people who are making the Fantastic Four movie can't get that you can put aspects, even goofy aspects of the comic book on screen, have those elements in the film and have it work and be marketable to a mass audience. I, I don't get the 
the sort of grim, gritty, realistic version that they're wanting to go for these films. It, 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 it I guess this is more about me being upset with DC because that's not the way to go. DC needs to take a hint from Marvel and start making their films fun again. But yes. that's that's yeah. a whole nother rant. Well, the I've read some uh, articles that the uh, one thing that Josh Frank wanted to do in this film was make it more hard sci-fi, and it seemed like he was hinting that the Fantastic Four was not science fiction, and I think they're all about science fiction. I mean, that's the, the original. I mean, it's kind of crazy, goofy, uh, made-up science, but it's certainly not science fantasy. It's science fiction. Yeah, it's it's nineteen fifties sort of fun go out in space yeah. explore type yeah. science fiction. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, we're we're trying to crack the quantum code or or explain string theory or it doesn't have to be the hard science, you know, along the lines of I'm trying to think of something. It, it should be fluffy fun science, like a firefly type science. Yeah, you don't have to explain mm-hmm. how unstable molecules work. You say, This is what they do and go on. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some interesting stuff. I, I went on to IMDb and was looking up the trivia. And um, it, it says here that they actually are going to have the Mole Man in this. And that Doom's powers is basically part uh, partly pulled from Annihilus. Oh. Um, but it also says here that Homer Simpson's going to be in the movie. Yeah, Dan, Katzle- yeah, Dan Katzlaneda. I think he plays... Is he playing the... Uh... The teacher in the beginning of the film. I was I was looking at IMDb as well, so I have no I idea know. what he's doing. Yeah, he's playing Mr. Kenny, so I'm assuming he's a he's a teacher. And then Tim Blake Nelson, who we saw in The Incredible Hulk, is playing Doctor Allen. I didn't know Doctor Allen was being represented in the movie. Wow, it goes hmm. all the way from intern to movie star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's Professor Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would I think if Professor Allen could be in a movie with Doctor Doom, I'm certain that would be the greatest joy of his life. Yeah, but if you're going to have Professor Allen in a movie, a Fantastic Four movie, then you have to have Andrew Leyland in there as Doctor Doom. Oh, and you make a great Doctor Doom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I've read that Fox is going, or they are embargo embargoing reviews until three hours before the first showing, and that's not a good sign. Never. Yeah, that's that's a very bad sign. <laughs> There's also a lot of free showings of the movie uh, going on all over the place. I know the Alamo Draft House down in Austin is going to have a free screening. Oh. Hmm. Well, I'm not driving to Austin for that. No. <laughs> not yeah, worth e- the trip. Even even if I was living in Austin, I doubt that I'd actually try and make it out to a free screening. That's how. That's how apathetic I am towards this film sadly well let's take a little poll who who is going to see this in the theater I will I will I won't now now I, I have to pre- preface I have to, to say to qualify that <laughs> I have an 8 year old son who no. just loves comic book movies you're obligated to go I'm obligated to go my wife also is, wants to see it as well she liked the other Fantastic Four movies she wants to see this as well. So I'm going to go. Now, okay. I am a very forgiving moviegoer. I liked Pixels, okay? Uh, so you so, are the one. Yeah, I'm the one. 
Either way, I, yeah, you know, Adam Sandler to me slept walk through the movie. That's you know, that's beside the point. Uh, but the movie itself, I thought was fun. I guess that, that check that, from uh, Sandler is cleared. I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was actually from Kevin James. But uh, but you know, again with with Pixels, I had uh, other reasons for going. Is that uh, I was I'm a huge fan of the King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters, and with uh, with Peter Dinklage, they parodied Billy Mitchell so well in that movie. It just, it just, uh, I, I had to see that, so uh, I was looking forward to that, and it, it met my expectations. But I'll probably I, see oh, it when it gets to the second run movie theater and see it for like two dollars or something like that. Let me also qualify. I'm not going. I have a soon-to-be seven-year-old daughter who loves comic book movies. In fact, the first movie theater movie she ever saw was Thor. I'm not of going. <laughs> yes, of course. No, I am not going because. I know she won't like it. I know it's too dark for her. And it's too... Really, for the Fantastic Four, it's too dark for me. So, no. I'm I'm going to skip it. I'll wait for it to come out on cable. Yeah, this does not look like it's geared towards kids at all. Which oh, is, it, which is it a PG-13 movie or a PG movie? Does anybody know? I, I would assume PG-13. Okay. Let's see. Let me see IMDb it. says PG-13. So. All right. It's only a they they're saying it's only 106 minutes so if it's under 2 hours. Wow. That's that's, quick. that's surprising when what Avengers was almost 2 and a half, or Age of Ultron was almost 2 and a half hours, Ant-Man was 2 hours, most of these Marvel comic book movies hit 2 hours plus. The fact that it's you know just an hour and 45 kind of surprising but So it looks like we're going to see a little CG blood and we're going to get at least one S bomb. Yeah, we might we might get an f bomb. You know that could they they usually drop that. They did that in the uh, what is it the days not days of future past but uh, first class movie with Wolverine. So yeah, oh yeah, <clears throat> I think they're allowed one. So yeah, I probably won't go see it in the theater. This might be a rental. You know, it's just which is disappointing because I I really enjoy the Fantastic Four, but this just doesn't seem all that appealing to me I, I went to see ant-man recently with my two daughters and i think i was more excited to see like the first look trailer that they did at the amc for the upcoming supergirl show you know my my younger daughter's like i can't wait until that's coming out and when we saw the fantastic four trailer no reaction from my daughters they're like are you gonna go see that dad i was like maybe <laughs> so <laughs> So obviously they wouldn't see it with you. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think I don't think they're too interested in it anyway. And I don't think they've even seen the the Tim Story ones either. So I don't know if they know all that much about the Fantastic Four, except there's a stretchy guy and a guy who catches on fire and a big orange rock person and a girl who runs around in her underwear and turns invisible. But that's the Tim Story one as well. Yeah. Well speaking and I just and I made this note because I watched the trailer a couple times last night when I was writing notes. Why does the costume that Reed Richards is wearing Look like it's covered in springs and bungee cord. Is that to help snap his elasticity back in? Well, they, they actually had said that what his power is not elasticity. Yeah, he warps reality or something. Yeah, right. So I don't, I don't know why that would be there. I, I thought the costumes were supposed to be glorified containment suits. Well, that probably is what. That's that's again the hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, the thing is, anytime there's a superhero movie. It, regardless whether it's a sequel or not, you know they're going to redesign the costumes anyway. Well, yeah, true. It, well, it's 
similar to Dave, your run, you were uh, recently you were talking about how every artist that came on had to redo the Fantastic Four costume. Well, yeah, every time a new artist gets on the Fantastic Four, they feel the need to uh, redesign the uniforms. Even if oh. it's like for two issues, like Carlos Pacheco did a couple of issues near the end of the run where he just like redesigned the costume for no reason. Two issues. Well, you, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the, the comics, that was one thing that kind of bothered me. Because, you know, I read Iron Man, and, you know, anytime Iron Man ran up against one obstacle or another, he would build uh, an update into his armor to be able to fight that, you know? And you're always wondering, why didn't Reed do that with the costumes? Why didn't he make, you know, sit there and go, oh, wow, you know, we can sit there and find a way to block this or to block that or prevent magic or, you know, as a good plot device. But you didn't see that a whole lot in there. And, you know, I can see, you know, for the movie's sake, updating the costumes as we go because he sees a way to you know protect them and prevent things but again you know i'm not i'm not trying to be an apologist here for the movies (laughs) it's just you know it's like that's that's one thing i could see that being well reed can't even protect uh franklin i mean how often how often is franklin abducted (laughs) well you know i think he after a while he just got well you know the boy's got powers himself he can warp reality let him go ahead on his own (laughs) he can take care of himself (laughs) <laughs> now I, I've got to go back on one thing and tell you guys a little story it's funny it's got nothing to do with this but you, you made me think of that with your story about uh, uh, the, the getting the Batman movie as a gift mm. when, in, in 89 when the original Tim Burton uh, Michael Keaton Batman came out I was one of those guys that was actually wearing a Batman shirt you know and back then that wasn't something you saw a whole lot Right. I, I wore a Batman shirt I actually had the black Spider-Man Long sleeve wraparound shirt, uh, but I mean, boy, you know, when when Batman came out, you know, I was there in line in my Batman shirt, and so that Christmas when the movie went to video, and I don't know if y'all remember, Batman was like the first movie to go for a twenty dollar price point. Mm-hmm. On, oh yeah, on, on video, I got nine copies of that movie as Christmas. <laughs> nine. I mean, I'm sitting there unwrapping mm. these in front of my oh. Another copy of Batman. Here, let, let me put it on this stack. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was fun. Anyway, that's, that's all I'd say on that. Well, let's, uh, we'll, uh, I think we'll kind of start wrapping this up a little bit. Let's go around and everybody tell what, what you, if they were making, if you had, you were, say, a creative consultant on a new FF movie that's coming out, not this one, what would you like to see? What do you want to see in your FF movie? Brian, I want to start, go with you. I want to see the Watcher. I want to. I want to see a real cosmic story, and it doesn't have to be Galactus. But I want to see the Watcher bringing the Fantastic Four in on something. Yeah, and, and if they could use the Skrulls, I think that they could be possibly the most compelling villains for a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I think they have the rights to the Skrulls. They just haven't used them yet. That's why they use the Chitari in. Uh, yeah. In the Avengers. But yeah, that's I mean that's that's my thing. A, a great galactic story. Bring in the Watcher. Bring in the Skrulls. You could I, even bring in the Kree. Well, they don't have the. Oh, that's right. They don't. Marvel's got does. Marvel's got the Kree. I love. They kind of did it in, in the second Fantastic Four, but I'd love to see a Super Scroll story. Yeah. All right, Gene. Uh, you know what? What I would really like to do. Would I, I would like to tell the studio, say, scrap this movie idea. Do a Netflix or a Hulu series because the Fantastic Four screams soap opera. It is, it, it is more of an episodic, 
oh, what's happening in their lives now kind of thing, that all this other stuff, the Mole Man, the Skrulls, Doctor Doom, it just happens around the family drama. It, it, see, you, the thing is, they would take it and they would turn it into a reality series. You know, like The Office was done. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Way to bring me down there, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm just seeing how, the, how they would do that. And, you know, the thing is, that could, that could actually be very entertaining, a superhero reality show. Yeah, but that would be in the New Warriors. That no. would be Fantastic Four. <laughs> It'd be like the real world, but they'd be living in the Baxter building. <laughs> oh, I could see Johnny and Ben in the confessionals, you know. Oh, damn it, Johnny was put that scrap. I had to throw him through the wall. Uh, what happens when people stop being uh, real and start being fantastic? Okay. <laughs> yeah. right no, Sue, no, Sue, you don't need any more plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> people can't see anyway. <laughs> Found them in the hot tub again. Uh, All right, but, Dave, what do you want to see in your Fantastic Four movie? Um, I'd kind of like to see Reed as a little bit older, like in his forties, and Sue younger, like maybe a teenage girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this comic book Fight Club now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's... at least at teenage. Okay, oh, okay. Maybe 20, well, you know, thank maybe twenty twenty one. Okay, you've not been watching the movies that are out right now. Uh, any movie where there's a romance, you've got a guy like you know Brad Cooper who's in his forties, and Jennifer Lawrence is in her early twenties, yeah. yeah. and that's that is a common thing going on in movies right now. So it's it's hard to make it look that bad unless you know she's practically in diapers. That's true. I know. I want to see some homoerotic tension between Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the old uh, Lee Kirby issues. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be between uh, Reed and Ben? Because they or were maybe, and roommates. Well, Ben and Reed and, and Ben and Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Reed and Ben, that was the old stuff. That already happened. We know that. So now, you know, it's got to be Johnny. And then that creates the jealous tension with Reed. Yeah, there you I go. mean, we know something was going on when they were college roommates. Well, everyone experimented. <laughs> um, even Victor Von Doom experimented. They accused just off a few decimal points. That's right. <laughs> I'd like to see Alicia Masters played by the same actress who plays Susan Storm. <laughs> but in a red wig? <laughs> Only in a red wig. Yeah, just go. with a different wig. That'd be great. And then when Johnny sees Alicia, he gets turned on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm getting chills. <laughs> And I'd like to see an adaption of, uh, what is it, FF number four, where uh, uh, Dr. Doom sends them back in time to find Blackbeard's treasure. Oh, that would yes. Be, that could be cool. Wait, <laughs> was it four when they brought back uh, Namor? Okay, mm. maybe. I think it's five. We're yeah, it's five. five. It's yeah. five. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah because six is when they team up. Actually, yeah, Ben has to play Blackbeard. And to be more serious, I'd just like to see more accurate depiction of Dr. Doom as the monarch of, of Latveria. And of course... I'd love to see Galactus. Galactus is my favorite. So I would love to see the real Galactus. Big yeah. purple guy. Big weird things on his head. And the G on his belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the G on his belt for some reason. Well, do you give him the uh, the shorts and the short sleeves, or do you give him pants? I always like the short sleeves and the shorts. Shorts That's all the way. Those. I That's good look. Need a creative camera angle, then. <laughs> <laughs> true he is wearing kind of a kilt 
see for me i'd go simple uh you know one of my favorite fantastic four stories i think it's fantastic four 51 adapt in some way this man this monster i mean you can have you know, get the origin story out of the way in the first 10 minutes of the film it does the film doesn't have to be about you know the fantastic four origin it's somewhat akin to spider-man's or superman's or batman's origin i don't want to say it's in the general conscious that those characters origins are but people know about it they went into space they got blasted by cosmic rays they came back as these strange people with different powers adapt a more more family type story a, a story that works on that and i think i, I want to say that this man this monster is a really great story that i'd love to see on on the screen see that sort of adapted but just something that that's where they feel like a group that likes each other that gets along rather this antagonistic type thing that we're seeing in these trailers. I hope that's not the case in the film, but they're, they seem to be depicting it from what we're getting in these trailers. And that's not what I want to see. So you, you adapt something good from the comics rather than Mark Miller's stuff. Yeah. You know, one thing it would be really fun in, in my mind is a kind of Martin Scorsese, type movie where instead of getting you know the 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 usual conflict with the supervillain you get johnny storm or, or ben Grimm giving a history of the fantastic four like goodfellas where he's just sitting there talking about everything that's happened you get to see all the different villains and everything and you get to see the history of it as it goes through the years and i think that would be that someone needs to do a superhero movie like that and that that could all, uh, incorporate you know one of the things i talked about in the last thing that you have a sort of 10 minute section where they talk about the origin. Then you talk about, you know, how they encountered the mole man and their first meeting with Dr. Doom and kind of have it in these sort of flashback type thing. That'd be really interesting as well. I, I'd, I'd go watch that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Or how about a fantastic four movie where they've already been the fantastic four for five or six or seven years. Read and yeah. Sue are married. They have their kid, Franklin. And we kind of go from there instead of starting with the origin again. Yeah, and that's yeah. – I, I would appreciate that. I Like I said, I don't need to see that Batman's parents got killed. We got that. I don't need to see Superman came from Krypton. We know that. I don't need to see that Uncle Ben got killed. We know that about Spider-Man. Have these, have these stories set in media res, and if we need to, we can have little flashback scenes where it kind of tells what happened prior to this. But – have a movie that's actually a story and doesn't have to be an origin. The people about, get too set on origins. How about a movie that's told in the in the, the way Marvels was told? You know, well, you had that, oh, you had that, that third really... party come in and sit there and talk about everything as he saw it, rather than seeing it from their point of view. Yeah, that could be cool. That'd be that'd be a risk. That would be. I don't think a studio would go for that, but that is that's an intriguing idea. That seems more more along the lines of what Gene was talking about—a sort of Netflix type or Hulu type deal, where you oh, get yeah. the sort of where you get all these fantastical things happening around this very grounded type character. But you know that'd be interesting as well. Well, isn't yeah. that kind of like the Agents of Shield TV show, where they're the normal people, and all the other extra stuff is happening in the periphery? Mm, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, Aside from like the first half of season two, I haven't really caught up on much of Agents of Shield. You know, I've enjoyed it, 
but it just hasn't been grabbing me like the other a lot of the other franchises have so mm -hmm. far. Well, the end of last season, they really dove deep into, uh, you know, the, the Cree and uh, d turning Daisy or you know the the whatever her name was into what's the kid? Quake? Quake. Isn't that her name in the comic books? Quake. Yeah. yeah. And then they've they've made you know, a lot more use of Deathlock, and I was always surprised at that because I when when I first first saw the um, preview for Agents of Shield and it showed they showed that guy jumping out of the the building. I was sitting there saying, "Are they going to show us Luke Cage?" And I think that was that was most of the peop most of the fans are sitting there going, "Is that Luke Cage?" And there, and then of course when we saw Thor, we saw that guy there fighting Thor. We saw, "Is that Luke Cage?" Because <laughs> we're just waiting for that big black guy to be able to beat everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, we're getting Luke Cage here in about a year or so, Jessica Jones, and then they said like four or six months after that they're going to be doing Power Man. So yeah, like every we'll six months, I think they're going to release something. No. Yeah. But is this going to be the Bendis version where, you know, they, they go and travel down down the hallways that we don't necessarily want our kids to know about? <laughs> uh, his relationship with Jessica Jones, are you saying? Yeah. I mean, did you read Alias? I, I, I did not. I've heard about it. See, my purvey is pretty much the DC universe. I know the Marvel universe. I've read a lot of stuff from Marvel, but it's usually Silver Age stuff. So the modern Marvel stuff with Bendis and Miller and all this stuff, I'm not all that into. I kind of get secondhand from websites or other podcasters. So I've heard of what goes on with them. And I, yeah, that's something that I don't think I'd want my kids to know about their relationship. Well, if it's anything like Daredevil, it is not going to be child-friendly in the slightest. Oh, no, no, not at all. But, you know, if they can capture, you know, Daredevil, I thought, captured the sort of dark, gritty feel of it. And I think that worked for that character. And, you know, I I think it would work for Power Man. It'll probably work for Power Man. It'll probably work for Jessica Jones. I'm wondering what's going to happen when Iron Fist gets into the mix because mm. that's one that my son is like, oh, I can't wait for that. He wants to watch that, you know. Has oh, he watched that more on the what the Ultimate Spider-Man? Yeah. So that's why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I'll throw my two cents. What I would really love to see for an FF movie, I want to see a period piece because I think the FF screams '60s. So oh, yeah. do it the way they did yeah. first first class yes. set it in 65 mm. 66 height of the cold war and you even if you know if marvel ever gets the rights back they can still do that set it in the past so it still links with marvel <clears throat> kind of the way they did with uh hank pym and ant-man so that as dave said have them already established or you know say they've been fantastic four for a year or two years that's, that's what peyton reeb is gonna do when he when he when he was attached to direct Fantastic Four before Tim Story came on, and uh, Peyton Reed, of course, he directed the the new Ant Man movie, but he was going to make it a 1960s movie, and he was going to make the Fantastic Four basically the Beatles, because they were, were in the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah, and and if you'd ever seen his movie or even seen previews for his movie with Ewan McGregor, Down with Love, you'd see that he captured that era perfectly he captured that era like joe johnston captures the the 1940s hmm. right and so that that would have been really interesting had he done that but again i don't know that the public would have sit there and looked at that and go what is this well see i think joe johnson would be a a, a great director if they do a period ff because he does period stuff very well yes yes i agree with that 
All right. Well, we've got our seven-minute lull about an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes in. Is that your uh, your contractual cutoff? People are quiet this long and we're done? No, no. But, but you know, one of the things that I always like to do is, is to, you know, they say that the average group of people have a, a lull in conversation every seven minutes. Obviously, we're not average people in that regard. We're True. podcasters. We like to talk. <laughs> yes. We either like to talk or we like the sound of our own voices. Sometimes. Or, or the first. And that's, really? why, that's why I identify with Dr. Doom. I record everything I say. It must be safe for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> and he often speaks in third person. Yes. <clears throat> Don't call Brian after 10 at night. Okay. <laughs> Brian does not approve of this. <laughs> Why does that always sound like Andrew Leyland's Dr. Dem when you say that now? <laughs> okay, so... Which accent I have? I have no idea. <laughs> I, did, I did read in here that uh, the Mole Man, his character's name is Harvey Elder. Is that right? Is that really? right from the comic? I don't think so. Is it? He's based on the Marvel Ultimate character, a scientist and contemporary of Dr. Franklin Storm, and Marvel Ultimate Willie Lumpkin, a government agent who handles the team. Oh, for the love! <laughs> what? God. Willie Lumpkin is a government agent. Willie Lumpkin, like, agent of Shield. Has anybody read Ultimate FF? I've never no. have. I've read I've, it. I've never but read I, any of the Ultimate stuff at all. But I don't remember much of it. I, I, re I read Ultimate Spider-Man because I thought it was really well done. But I, I stopped at that. Um, Golly, I guess after once they started bringing uh, Venom in, I think is when I stopped stopped well, reading. I, that. I read all, but I'm a Spider-Man guy, so I read anything Spider-Man. But I read I read most of the Ultimate stuff. I read the Ultimates. I read Ultimate FF, Ultimate X-Men up to about sixty or seventy. Um, but the in the Ultimate Universe, there and this is kind of a trope today of everything has to be connected. Everybody has to know somebody, or they're associated with somebody, or it's a former associate instead of. Anything being, you know, I can understand Reed and Doom being classmates, but uh, not everything has to be uh, kind of what Byrne tried with uh, Spider-Man uh, chapter, is it chapter one? Yeah. Where he tried to, where, Norman, where the Sandman turned out to be Norman Osborn's cousin or something. Because oh, the they hair? the same hair, yeah. Because <laughs> of the hair, yeah, because apparently everybody with that wow. hairstyle must be related. Nobody oh, in real life had that hairstyle. I never. I, I, I was always sitting there going, "What is that supposed to look like in real life?" It's kind of like uh, North Star and Aurora. You know, they, they, the way they draw them in the comic books is very black and white, and you're like, "What is that?" And, he, and what Bernard said is that it's black hair that's very shiny. Oh. But when you look at, at Norman and Harry Osborn in the Sandman, you're like, "What is that supposed to be?" It always looks kind of like curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but when you do cornrows, you go back and forth. You don't go side to side. That style hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so well, one of a trendsetter. There you go. Yeah, that's true. One of Tom Hanks' sons is actually in this movie. Chet yeah. Hanks. Oh, and so not is it Colin? Is that his other son? The yeah, the actor now, Colin. He's he's got several, um, and I know one of them is like a gangster rap. Uh, kind of guy. I don't know. Let's see. He's got... Yeah, okay. He's got uh, Colin Hanks and then Elizabeth Hanks. And they're the, the, the children of Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But that's about it. Okay. 
Well, I think we can we can kind of wrap this up unless somebody has any uh, any final thoughts on. Uh... I think we covered all the ground, and we've kind yeah. of beat, beaten the horse down. I uh, know one thing I forgot. Uh oh. Hello, hello. <laughs> That's Brian's That's... trademark. <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of. Because Dr. Bill already took the Mountain Dew thing, fixation. <laughs> yeah, but he took it to a whole weird level. Yeah, but you see, the, the thing is, like, I've had over 200 kidney stones since the age of 18. And a good number of those are because of Mountain Dew. Wow. And so, you know, it's like, I, I think, you know, one, one I, I've actually got, and I offered this to, to Dr. Bill. And he hasn't taken me up on it. I've actually got a case of, of Mountain Dew that's been sitting out in my garage for, I'd say, about almost a, a year now. It sat through the last summer. So, yeah, it's, it's been a year now. Wow. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, it's, it's one of those great acts of resistance, you know, the willpower to not go out there and get that stuff and drink. Because I, I was a, a Mountain Dew junkie. But I just – my kidneys can't take it anymore. My diabetes can't take it anymore. And uh, so I offered it to him, and I guess he's stuck with the diet Mountain Dew. Yeah. But, boy, this stuff has got to be really, really hot right now because it's 100 degrees every day. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> to point out that's a Texas summer. Yes. Right, yes. This podcast brought to you by Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> no, by Piss Warm Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, PepsiCo's coming after us with a cease and desist now. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I think we can. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, does yeah. Andy does Andy want to join us? Yeah, hold on, let me see. Yeah, he said he wasn't going to join, but yeah, I'd love to hear. Uh, I I definitely want to hear this. Yes. All right, hold on, I'm contacting him. Fascinating podcasting. <laughs> this is all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Silence truncation will help us. That's okay, right. Bye. I knew the girl from Eponema. I'd sing it. All right. Yeah, he's yeah. He says he's uh, ready to go. He can he can give you a little time. So right. yeah, if you if you've got his, uh, um, I'm not on. Do you want me to see if I, I can add him? Yeah, can somebody else grab him in? I don't have his. He's out of my contact. Let's see. Add call. Here we go. This the show is fixing to go international. <laughs> the class just went up. That's right. Because everything British is high class, right? Of course. <laughs> well, I don't tell my wife that. She's Irish, so. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, my gosh. Hello. Hello, Hello. Andy. I've just been listening to this talk show that you're doing, talking about this Fantastic Four movie, because you do know what's going on live, right? Mm-hmm. You're all of wrong. Course. It's going to be great. That, that's uh, why you, you did a whole episode on just that movie recently, right? It, it's totally correct. Hello, Sean, Gene, Brian, David, and Tim. Hello. Welcome, Hello. welcome to the show. I'm glad we're able to catch you on, you know, at this the, this uh, wonderful... Uh, well, it's late for you now, but it's like 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, yeah. It's 20 past 5. I've just got okay. in. My computer put Skype on automatically. I saw that you were on it and just thought I'd bug you. Well, that's <laughs> wonderful. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we're talking about the Fantastic War. Do you want to put in, put in your opinions on the uh, upcoming film? <laughs> Do you really want me to be a Debbie Downer? 
like, we have, this, like... in this illustrious <laughs> panel of people to say this looks like it's gonna be shit <laughs> to, to, to break it down none of us has been really all that positive either I mean, that, that's all our conclusions that, that's yeah, putting it mildly <laughs> yeah you, now if you heard the five angry superman podcast about uh, man of steel this is basically the same thing but even before the product comes out <laughs> <laughs> so we're not prejudging anyway oh no, no oh no, no fans never do that no 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 no, no. um i think pretty much what i've said before it, it may be a brilliant version of ultimate fantastic four but everyone who's ever tried to get me to read the Ultimate Fantastic Four throw out all these great things. Well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I'm listening going, this sounds like shit. You really want me to read this? And so the film doesn't look particularly enticing to me. But what do I know? I'm an old fuddy-duddy at this point. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I think the thing with it, we kind of aired on is this doesn't feel like a family film it feels that they're going too dark for this and the fantastic four does not need to be dark no so. I, I saw the trailer before ant-man and i've been kind of just avoiding this this filth because it doesn't look like it's going to be any fun and uh, i saw the trailer for the first time before ant-man the, you know, the longer one i think i'd seen clips and stuff before and i said to michael it, it, it has a caption up doesn't it beyond the darkness of beyond fear or some bullshit thing like that uh, is this family friendly i'll stop swearing if it's family friendly <laughs> well it's okay and, uh, i can always bleep you out uh, all right fine uh to bleep this entire section no one will know <laughs> and um i said to michael because the words darkness and fear are exactly what i associate with the fantastic four <laughs> okay yeah. all right we might as well get opinions on doom do you have any opinions on doom was there Silly somebody boy. who was supposed to be Doctor Doom in this trail in this trailer? Uh, I think there was. He was the guy in the green and the sort of silvery mask type thing. In the last trailer thing that they put up, it wasn't really a trailer. It was kind of like two and a half minutes of the film, and I saw a link to it on Ain't It Cool. It's actually Reed, Ben, Johnny, and Doom getting into the the device, not Sue. And, and is, is that from the is that from the Ultimate comics? I, be- I believe so. I believe that's that's right. how they did it. He was some sort of uh, computer tech or yeah. or whatnot. But yeah, yeah. The, the guy the guy with the beard. They don't actually say Victor or, or anything. They just they don't even call him by name. But that's that's Doom. Well, isn't he not called Victor Von Doom in this comic? Because didn't they say that was just far too silly? But and isn't that the same in the Ultimate comics? Isn't he Victor Van Dam or something? Which is in no way silly at yeah. all. It's Van yeah. Dam in the comic, I think. Oh, oh dear Christ! Oh, <laughs> so they're already starting from a product that thinks the Fantastic Four is stupid and silly, and that's the thing that they're going to adapt. Well, in the I think in the the story in the movie is he's a blogger slash hacker and his hacker uh, name is Doom. <laughs> Harry Knowles is Doctor Doom. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've always wanted to see that. Thanks for bringing the positivity, to Andy. <laughs> hey, you know me, bringing the fun in. <laughs> Well, Andy, I just saw you all on. I thought that'd be fun. Yeah. I don't think I've spoken to any of you before. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Well, oh, you might have spoken to, to Sean. Yeah, you've <laughs> talked. Well, you've talked to Gene. Gene was yeah. on one of the Prophets shows, so we've had Gene on. Yeah. yeah. Hello, hello, Andrew. Andrew, it is a pleasure. This is Brian Hughes. Hello, Brian. 
finally, finally glad to uh, get to talk to you. Hello. Yes, okay. Alex, I was just on and saw she, uh, she on. I'm a negative. Anyway, go on. We, I'm slowing the show down. Sorry, you get all back on what you were doing. No, no. To well, be- I kind of we kind of went around and got everybody's opinion. I wanted, uh, what do you want to? What do you want to see in a FF movie? What do I want to see in an FF movie? The the characters that Lee and Kirby created. That would do me fine. I think that would be brilliant. You'd, you'd have to update some of it. You can't be going to the moon anymore. But back in FF1, they weren't going to the moon. They were going to the stars. So that's quite easy to adapt. You'd, you'd have to kind of explain why the boy and the girlfriend were there. But you just make Sue and, and Johnny a scientist. Yeah. And that works. And then you just go from there. You just make it. You know the tone for the Fantastic Four? Not quite as campy, but it should be lost in space. The, the old TV show Lost mm. in Space it should have that feeling of exploration and that feeling of family and it should be exciting and you should go from, from dynamic moment to dynamic moment and it should be all of that. Lost in Space pretty much nailed what the Fantastic Four dynamic should be. Now, I don't want talking carrots. That would just be silly. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, yeah, no, that you, I've got to butt, butt in because Lost in Space has one of my favorite lines ever spoken on television. And that was when uh, Major West goes, it's unlike anything I've ever seen and twice as big. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, see, all I can picture now is Dr. Doom jabbing back and forth with Herbie the Robot. Under oh God, Jonathan Harris! The price of admission. <laughs> if Jonathan Harris were still alive, he would be a wonderful Doctor Doom. I would. I so approve of you, you, you babbling booby. <laughs> oh, the pain! The pain! <laughs> the pain that I will inflict on Richards. You look at that show, though. You've got the cast of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, Jonathan Harris can be Victor Von Doom, slightly campy Victor Von Doom, but whatever. Guy Williams, Reed. Mm-hmm. Krista, what's her face? Sue. Bill Moomit, he's probably a bit young to be Johnny Storm, but maybe he can pull it off, I don't know. And um, Major West's Ben Grimm. Hmm. And then you have Alicia and the, the other one, the other the daughter. Yeah, Penny Cartwright. Yeah. 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 There you go. We've just done your job for you, Hollywood. Thanks very <laughs> much. <laughs> you know, I would so watch a Fantastic Four film that were along the lines of Lost in Space more than I'm looking forward to this movie. Wow. Yeah, well, well, the thing with the trailer as well, when I was sat watching the trailer, and doesn't it just look like the worst cast comic book movie ever? mm -hmm. You can't even look at any of those people and squint and go, (laughs) well, yeah, I kind of see it. It's it's just no. So that guy's Reed Richards. That guy's 12, dude. (laughs) ain't Reed Richards. And this spindly guy, he's Ben Grimm. Now, I like Jamie Oliver. He's not Jamie Oliver. Jamie Bell. Jamie Oliver's a TV show. Yeah, he's... <laughs> yeah, I like Jamie Bell. He's great in filth. He's great in that film with um, Hayden Christensen where they've got superpowers. Jumper. And uh, they reference Marvel team-up in that film. He's great in that. And Jamie Bell's he's brilliant in um, Billy Elliot. He's a great actor. He's not Ben Grimm. Yeah, so when they cast Michael Chiklis, you're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I can I can look at Michael Chiklis and I can go, well, he's bald, but I still see Ben, and yeah. even Ioni Grufford, you're kind of like, oh, all right, I kind of see him. He's a little bit young, but I kind of get it. Maybe not so much Jessica Alba. Chris Evans was far too old. 
But other than that, those two at least you could look at them and go, right, well, all right, I get what they're going for. But I was looking at the cast of this one, and I'm not just talking about the guy playing the Human Torch before everyone wants to get on me back about that. I'm on about every single one of them. Looks awful. Here, it, it, since since you brought that up, I might as well bring this up. I understand the idea of bringing in what uh, Michael B. Johnson is that his name for Jordan, the, Jordan. Jordan for the Human Torch. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I think they missed an opportunity to go go even further. You've got the father who's African American. You've got mm-hmm. the son who's African American. Make the daughter. Make it an African American family. What? How? How wonderful would it be to make a scientist who's the rival of Reed Richards part of this team? Make the relationship between them, you know, bloom from that, and make make a African American woman as an incredible, capable scientist in line with Reed Richards, and then make the romance blossom between them for that. That would have been, in my opinion, more uh, more dramatic or more daring for Marvel to do than just casting this one actor who's a hothead and he's he's angry at people as as the young African-American person. I think that's doing a disservice to, to, to trying to diversify the cast. But maybe that's just me. I don't think no. this was done to diversify the cast. You know what this was? The director wanted to work with his friend again. Exactly. That's all this was. This wasn't, let's change this because it's good for the film. Let's change this because Johnny's white bread and he really doesn't matter anyway. Let's give him some depth. That was not this at all. They've cast this guy in this role because he's the director's mate. And then they've gone, oh, he's got a sister, hasn't he? Hmm. Oh, what are we going to do about that boys oh well we'll make her an adopted daughter and so so then you're adding a layer onto this that doesn't need to be there Mm -hmm. yeah just cast a black actress as sue then and you're done job done yeah we probably wouldn't even be having the conversation if they'd done that but the fact that they didn't do that is what makes me think this was the director wanted to work with his friend again and fidelity to the source and even improving on the source material and giving Johnny some depth or whatever, none of that was relevant to them. And the very fact that every time somebody has brought this up to them in an interview, all they've done is complain that, no, 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 you're playing the race card here. No, we're not. We're asking you what was the rationale behind this casting decision? What was the reason for it? If you can give me a good reason for it, I'm, I've got your back. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem that they did. Other and the, you make a point. He was in Chronicle, you know, with this director. They worked together. They wanted to work together again. There you go. He stars in the film. It doesn't. It, it doesn't play into the film. It doesn't make the film. It, it, it muddles the film more than it does things to advance it. So, well, yeah, usually when they have a when they have a character in a movie that's adopted, that usually becomes a subplot at least. Like, who is Sue's real real parents? Is that going to yeah, be like an issue now? What's that the have reason to behind this adoption? What, why did it happen? How did it happen? And suddenly you're like, but that's nothing to do with the story we want to tell. So why have you done it then? It's like, have you ever listened to Ronald D. Moore explain exactly why he made all the changes to Battlestar Galactica? No. Yeah. No. Right. No. He, he gave an interview when he talked about Battlestar Galactica. And he gave solid reasons for every single change that he made. The first one he said was, why is it a reboot, not a continuation? Well, he said they did Galactica 1980. You can't just ignore continuity because you don't like it. So by doing that, 
us over, basically. So we've got to do a reboot. And then they went through every single character that he changed and why he did it. And he said, when he got the gig, he was given access to all of Universal Studios' publicity and market research and all of this stuff. And he said, one of the things that they, they listed off when they asked people, what do you remember about this property, Battlestar Galactica? One, tons of people remembered it, which he said is remarkable for a show that ran for one season 30 years ago. But the things that everybody remembered about it were the Cylons, the Vipers. They remembered the hardware. They remembered the tech. Of the actors, the only one they remembered was Dirk Benedict of Starbuck. Mm -hmm. And he said some of that was residual from the A-team, but still they remembered Dirk Benedict. So he said, the problem I have there then, if I cast an actor as Starbuck, he's instantly going to be compared to Dirk Benedict. Nothing I can do about that. But what if I take that same character and I don't change the character, I just change the sex of the character, suddenly I've got a completely different dynamic and that actress doesn't start off by being compared to another actor before we've even shot a minute of film. And you're like, wow, okay, mind blown, makes perfect sense. And he did that with every single change he's made. He had a rationale and a reason for everything that he did. Every time this cast of this Fantastic Four movie or this director have been asked that question and they've opened their mouth, you've wanted them to just shut up straight away because they're just digging themselves a bigger hole and basically accusing you of being something you're not because they've not actually fought through this casting. They've just basically gone, well, we'll cast him because I like him and that's it. That's not a reason for doing it. Give me a good reason for doing it. Do it on a case-by-case basis. Have you all seen the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon? Unfortunately, no. I've seen some of it. That is brilliant changing and updating of casting. Whoever came up with the idea of making Ned Leeds Ned Lee deserves an Emmy. And making Liz Allen an Asian-American, that's brilliant because you're diversifying your cast in a way that ultimately makes the product more up-to-date and better, but still has Liz Allen and Ned Leeds as part of the ensemble. And they did it in a really excellent way that worked. I'm not convinced that they've gone into this project wanting to do it in a way that works, that is organic, that is part of the story. They've basically just created, like you just said, suddenly this becomes about the adopted relationship. But the film's not going to be about that because we're doing a Fantastic Four film. And no, I just don't. Every single piece of casting looks wrong. The thing looks like the giant poop monster from Dogma. The, the, idea, that Do- the idea that Doctor Doom is a blogger is just... Uh, no, sorry. I don't mean to come onto your show and be very negative. I do apologize. Well, no, don't and, worry. And you make a perfect point there. I mean, even in the, the last commercial where they're, they're asking, you know, they're talking about redoing, making his inventions and stuff, they show his father in the house. Uh, looks like he's wearing a wife beater. And, you know, it, it looks like some white trash old guy rather than the guy that we know as Nathaniel Richards. So, and again, is that from Ultimate FF? I don't think so. Right. I don't. I, I think they add that as thinking that's going to be a character trait we're going to add, and it's not. It's not helping at all. Yeah, it's just the idea of you know brilliance coming from nothing. Okay, so they've they've thought it all through then. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a well it's a well scripted film. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, when you've got the director telling the actress now, nah, don't bother reading any of the comics because we're not referring to any of that. She's actually said that that she's ne- Yeah, she said that she's never read a comic before in her life. Yeah, let's alienate the fans. Let's alienate the fans from the very beginning. When you go go and see Ant-Man, for example, you go and see Ant-Man, where, let's be honest, Ant-Man is one of the most dopey and ridiculous concepts in Marvel Comics. 
<laughs> and they put every single moment of that dopey ridiculousness on screen, mm-hmm. and the audience love it. And we're finally getting to the point where they can put every single ridiculous concept you ever thought they could never do that in live action on screen. They can do it now, and we will buy it, we'll accept into it, the audience will enjoy it. And then you've got this where she's been told, no, we're not going to even bother looking at the comics. We want to make this earthy and gritty. And you're like, have Fox got any idea what they've actually bought? Now, th- th- that's, that's a funny point because, you know, you say this, this had, has nothing to do with the comics. And yet Fox is also doing the X-Men movies. And there's even a note here in IMDb that, the, that, that this may be related to the X-Men universe. And have you seen the shots of Olivia Munn from uh, the, the Age of Apocalypse? Yeah, even Brian Singer, the guy who wanted to be so far away from the comics back in 1999, is mm-hmm. finally now putting his characters in comic book costume. That's how far we've come. <laughs> and you've got this movie that, d- that doesn't seem to want to acknowledge that it's doing a comic book. Wait, 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 wait. Is is Olivia Munn in the traditional sort of 90s Psylocke costume? Yes, it, cool. is, it is a perfect rendition of that costume. All you need is a little uh, what sonic blades that she had and... Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some some uh, some <laughs> internet Google digging, search. <laughs> and uh, I'll be in my bunk. Yeah, yeah. She actually <laughs> talked about how she had to use two other actresses and a tub of Vaseline to get her into the outfit. Ooh, uh, just talking about Olivia Munn and a tub of Vaseline makes. Me... <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's from Oklahoma, you know. She's she's from around oh. my area, so yeah, that's that's nice. Okay, you know? now explain something to me. I know that there's a lot of geek hate for Olivia Munn and it goes back to her attack of the show stuff and that she was a poser or something but isn't that what it, what we wanted back then? <laughs> you know, I don't think she was a poser at all I think she actually enjoyed you know her and uh, the host of uh, X-Play I can't remember her name but you oh, know I don't, I don't yeah Morgan Webb I think they were both fangirls and especially uh, what's the other girl who showed up on the uh, cover of uh, Booster Gold um, crap she was the blonde but 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 all of, I don't think any of those girls were posers, and I I think you know that she actually did have a fondness for the comic book and you know geek related stuff. So I don't feel that she's. I think that's just people being dicks. Hmm. I don't know who she is. She's she's incredibly attractive. All right. Well, is that all I need to know? If she's yes, playing Psylocke. Have you seen Magic Mike, Andy? No. Oh, I'm not the about male strippers, dude. Oh, Andrew, did you watch the newsroom? Uh, oh, uh, was that that's, the? That's a TV that the HBO with, uh, show with um? Yeah, the Aaron Sorkin show on HBO. Yes, I did. I did watch the first couple of episodes of the newsroom. She was the the dark haired financial analyst. All oh, right, yeah, I vaguely remember her. Yeah, I, I can I can see her as Psylocke. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, you saw her in a costume standing next to Storm Storm with a mohawk, in fact, and uh, you know, just it looked like a page out of the comics. Except, of course, the fact that Apocalypse looks like Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers. <laughs> I, I, well, to be fair, have you actually seen any lit shots of him yet? I mean, he may look completely different in the film. If you've only seen, like, set photos, the costume may look a bit silly. But when yeah. you actually see it on camera, it may look a lot better. I mean, I still think they should, if they look like the character off screen, stripped of all the technology and the lights and everything, it's probably going to be better. But you never. By the time they've done the special effects to it, he may look perfectly all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see the um, the current picture that they, that they put out. 
really doesn't look like the apocalypse from the comic books, as far as I've seen, at least not the headshots. It does look like, and it's because they're using that blue-purple color uh, on his face that, that we see so often in the the Power Rangers type stuff that, that makes it, uh, it kind of makes you go, yeah. But we'll just have to see how it plays out in it. But this is by far the most comic booky looking comic book movie I've, I've, I've seen pictures for. Does he have the big tubes coming out of his back to his arms? Uh, well, see, I only see the, the headshot here. Oh. See if I can post this into the, the Facebook thing we got going on. But it, it's it's a it's a, a shot of, of of his head, and it's just. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll come up be on record and say <laughs> I've never felt Apocalypse as being a very compelling villain. Well, the, for me, that was the time when I was actually leaving. You know, the X Men stuff. Um, I was really. I think when once John Romita Jr. had left the, the comic books, I, I started losing interest because Mark Silvestri's artwork to me didn't evoke any kind of motion or anything. It looked like it was all splash page, you know, shots and nothing that 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 really showed what was going on in the book. It was all just poses, and I just killed the show. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't know who else is on this. I, th- I see Gene on there. Um, I just sent that, that picture and link okay. to the story. Yeah. yeah. Take a look at that. That's the apocalypse that they've, uh, as, as they presented him. And that looks a pretty well lit shot. So I think that's the way that they want to want to present him. In, in that's this. not too horrible. I mean, I, I'd like, I'd like to see it just, you know, in I, action and stuff, but I, it, I can see, put that next to the comic book apocalypse and say, yeah, okay, I can see it. He doesn't have the painted-on smile, but yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. I just watched a movie with uh, Oscar Isaacs in it, and it doesn't even look like him at all. Mm. Um, I saw, uh, what was that, uh, Ex Machina? Mm-hmm. And he just seems to me to be uh, a lot like um, Joaquin Phoenix in his uh, manner and, 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 you know, physicality. Yeah. So, yeah, I see this, and I don't even see him in that at all. That is Oscar Isaacs, right? That's playing Apocalypse. No uh, idea. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't really got into that much. Yeah. But wow, we've really gone away from the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> we'd rather yeah. talk X Men than Fantastic yeah. Four. <laughs> it's still the Fox universe. It's true. True. Yeah. When you when you wander away from your topic, it only means that the topic isn't that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's kind of bring us around and we we'll kind of uh, wrap this up. I think uh, I want to thank Andy for coming on and. Giving us his um, his opinion. It's all, it was a pleasure. Thank it, you it for the bringing special, me in at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, special guest star. Oh, does that mean I get the and credit? You'll get right. the and credit. What's your own? Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> you get the special guest star. And presenting. Yeah. <laughs> and introducing. <laughs> no, you've been on stuff before. You can't be introducing. Oh, right. I'll just I'll settle for and then. Okay. <laughs> well, Contractually, um, that gives me a higher yeah. salary, doesn't it? Yes, you get 50% more than we do. <laughs> 50% of nothing. Let me cross the O, move that. Move oh, yeah, that's still nothing. All right, well, let's, uh, we'll kind of go out and let everybody reintroduce themselves and, and, again, tell everybody where they can find you on your respective podcasts. Um, we'll, uh, we'll start with you, Andy. You can... Oh, thank you. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm Andrew Leyland. I popped in at the end. I completely disrupted the show. I do apologize. Uh, I'm on A-Kids Comics, at least for the next nine weeks of show. 
uh, until it ends. That's Thursdays on Two True Freaks. I do Palace of Gritting Glittering Delights, which is just me on my own talking about bullshit whenever I can be bothered. I'm with the mighty Sean Engel and the magnificent Paul Spataro. We do um, what's it called, Sean? Listen to the Prophets. For the love of Christ, we've done like. We've recorded like 30 episodes. Of, uh, yeah, I, I do apologize. And uh, I do fantastic cast for Stephen Lacey as well. He's going watching this film. I'm not. You're here with us. Dedicated. Yes. So, so I have no idea what that episode's going to be like. I just know I won't be on it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll follow up, Andy. Why not? I do listen to the prophets with Andy and Paul. Uh, just one of the guys, Green Lantern podcast. And I do a lot of stuff over at, at Two True Freaks. Uh, Hooter Freaks, Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Walking Dead Wednesday, and anything else I can shoehorn myself into. Gene? All right, I'll go next. Uh, easiest place to find me is at my blog, thehammerstrikes.com. Uh, you can find links to everything else from there. The main shows I do are all on Two True Freaks, and that would be the Hammer Podcast, which is basically the same thing as the blog. It's just random geekiness from whatever I want to talk about. I'm pretty sure Andy needs pay me something for copyright infringement, but we won't go into that. <laughs> I also do the Quantum Cast, where I need to pay Sean for copyright infringement, because I go on about a guy who uses fantastic extraterrestrial jewelry to create constructs that have hard light. That's, and... that's no way similar. I don't. Oh, think... no, not at all. No, his is yellow. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. It's completely antithetical. There you go. And I do that with my friend Jeff Fishman, and we go, that's a monthly show that we're going through the Quasar comic series right now. Under that, anyone who lacks taste or self-respect can find Comic Book Fight Club, where we answer the age-old geeky question of who would win in a fight, and we do it with very rude words and very, very, very bad thoughts. And you're wrong every single time. <laughs> well, I guess I'd have you on to tell us that. Yes, yes, I'd be glad to. <laughs> All right. Uh, and my last show would be Anime Freaks with Dr. Bill Robinson, where currently we're going through the Star Blazers series, an episode by, at a time. Uh, when we're done with that, we're going to do the movie Akira. And following that, we don't know yet. So please write in and tell us. Dave? I'm Dave Elliott. I have a uh, podcast called The Fantastic Forecast, which can be found at podcastff.podbean.com. And he has more episodes than the rest of the people on this call combined. Exactly. Wow. Very short episodes, but there's a lot of them. And I just Dave's got a great show. I, I recommend anybody go in. Uh, they're like 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops, but they're very enjoyable, very well-produced show. Thank if you. you want, if you want to hear positive things about the Fantastic Four, that's probably the place to go. Ha! Well, because I won't be talking about the movies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Brian? Yes, I'm Brian Hughes. You can find me on Third Degree Burn on the Two True Freaks Network where we talk about all things Sid Caesar. I, I mean, John Burn. I'm sorry, I was watching your show shows. So, anyway. Uh, yes, you can find it, find me on, on Third Degree Burn with right. my friend here, Tim Elliott. That's right. I, I'm Tim Elliott. I'm the ringmaster of this. Uh, I'm also on Third Degree Burn. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook. Uh, we actually have a Twitter account uh we are also part of the two two freaks network of shows i recommend anybody going there and checking those out yeah they wouldn't accept us on linkedin for some reason though (laughs) well we have to be incorporated for that oh okay (laughs) all right uh i want to thank everybody for coming on especially andy for coming on a late date uh 
also Dave, this is great to, I've been listening to your show for so long and it's great to kind of talk to you and I know you want to come on Third Degree Burn where we're going to talk about some stuff because I know you're a huge Burn fan. So I um, love Burn. I'd love to talk about John Burn sometime. Yeah, uh, we, we'll get you on as quick as we can. I know you were, you were interested in talking about some She-Hulk stuff. So, Oh, She-Hulk. I love the She-Hulk. Yeah. Sensational so, She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess this is uh, it for our roundtable. Uh, go see the movie. Don't go see the movie. But maybe those of us that will, maybe we'll come back on and do a quick maybe kind of five-minute freak about what we thought about it after it's been out. Yeah, we'd love to hear anybody's opinions on that too. Um, I don't know if you want to send it to our regular email, uh, Tim. Uh, you could, yeah, send it to us uh, at gottogetburned at gmail dot com. That's my dog. The dog does not approve. Uh, Got dogs no. and birds. No, I was afraid I was going to have to try. It's been quiet for two hours now. He's barking. Uh, okay, I want to thank everybody for coming on, and um, I'll talk to you again, Brian. Uh, later today probably and uh talk to you dave soon we get you on the show and then everybody else has to be listening to the stuff that's coming out all right thanks all right, all right. Thank thanks you very much thanks again bye, bye. thanks for listening you can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com that's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to Gotta get burned at gmail.com. That's G O T T A G E T B Y R N E D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to 22freaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Until next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. I'll be made.